Welcome to episode 38 of the Tech Gypsies podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I am Ken Lane. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, yeah, 2017. Let's, um, let's hope it's better, I guess, than last year. Yeah, so, uh, uh, I mean, the only, only thing I have to say about last year is, is fuck 2016. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. And I, you know, suggested that we spend some time, uh, talking about what, um, sorry, it might... That first part's going to be quiet. I apologize. Um, 2017, talking about uh, what we'd like to see, what we expect to see from the space, and what we're going to be focusing on. Maybe just shifting gears for one podcast since it is New Year's Day. And um, rather than, uh, you know, bitching about what we're seeing out there in the space and processing what, what's happening in tech, um, just kind of, you know, manifest and sh- shine a light on what we'd like to see out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that there'll probably be some kvetching because I'm not sure I could talk about technology for half an hour without any kvetching. But um, yeah, so what are you going to work on this year? Um, so you know, coming out of the you know the distress after the election and um, the kind of going dormant for the Christmas season, um, I'm focusing on my um, when it comes to APIs. I'm going to be focusing primarily on what is my uh, API Commons work, which is born out of the Oracle versus Google copyright case and involves making sure that that API interfaces stay open and interoperable uh, out in the in you know cyberspace. So that's my primary kind of focus. Um, I'm also along accompanied with that, I'm working on, API.json, which is my open format for discovering APIs and finding APIs. So when you're looking for APIs, you uh, can find an open, uh, you know, uh, a version of it that's that's that describes what it does, how how it solves problems for you. Um, so those are a little lofty technical things, but um, to kind of bring it down home, as far as election and everything, one of the op- uh, API definition formats that I'm working on is called Open Referral. Or um, also is it's the 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 data format for Open Two One One. So if you're familiar with city uh, municipal systems, I mean we all know what Nine One One is. That's the emergency system. Um, uh, open Two One One is how you find city services. So how you find food banks, how you find health services. Uh, so Open Two One One is the the data schema or the format that describes those services so that. Uh, people can build websites, uh, mobile applications, and other tooling um, that speaks the same language. So this is really important for me. It's a project I've been working on for over a year now with uh, Greg Bloom, who is the the champion of Open Referral. But um, he's dedicated to you know um, helping people in cities around the country find the services that they need, and and primarily you know some of the most underserved folk. But um, we're just continuing that effort by getting cities to adopt it and um, get uh, software companies to adopt it. So that's just one example of many different API definitions that I'm going to be focusing my time on. But I think that that one's pretty uh, relevant because I predict in the next four years, um, we're really going to have to help a lot of folks uh, find the important services they need to survive. And so that's pretty much the focus of my year. So are you still going to do the usual API evangelist stuff? Because, I mean, I know you've 
you've this last year was um, somewhat different for you. So what are your plans for API Evangelist? Yeah, I mean, I'll keep doing the usual, um, you know, I monitor the signals from the API space and I write regularly on API Evangelist. And then I have what I call my industry guides, you know, um, about um, API discovery, which is the API's JSON, API definitions, which is the definition stuff I talked about, um, but then the other areas as well. But so, yeah, I'll be doing some of the same research and, and writing, but the, the big difference is going to be, um, and, and this shift's been going on for a while, is that, you know, it's going to be less startup-y focused and, and how you, you know, how you do this as a startup and make and build a business and make money. It's going to be, you know, more open referral centric and, and how do you um, provide access to public data, public resources. And it just happens to overlap with a lot of, you know, commercial efforts. And I'll be modeling a lot of what I do after, you know, the commercial space. So still doing the same stuff, um, just a lot, lot less startup. So travel? Um, minimal. Um, I am, the only conference I'll be doing is my own API Strat, which will have one edition somewhere in the fall. Um, and then I'll be traveling and supporting you as necessary and doing drone work. Um, but other than that, um, nothing planned. Oh yeah, you uh, you just got a new drone. Yeah, yeah, I got a um, as well as the two uh, Phantom Three Pros that we had from this summer. Um, I got a Mavic, which is a DJI, pretty slick, uh, small drone, but still the the pro quality camera, 4K, that fits in my backpack, and I'm hoping. I, when we travel around going to different places, I'm able to step away and with my camera and my drone camera and have some fun. Right on. So uh, anything else that you have planned for the year? Or? I mean, no. I mean, there's lots of details, but that's pretty much it. You know, I just want to, I think the open referral stuff, um, I, I'll still be doing kind of a lot of stuff at the federal government level, open data, kind of, you know, mapping out and understanding the work that a lot of us had done over the last eight years. But um, really, I don't, I think the the current administration is going to drive much of my attention down to a local level, which I think actually ultimately could be very uh, uh, fruitful and helpful. So, um, no, that's pretty much it. What, uh, what are you going to be targeting this week or year? Well, I mean, I think for me, it's sort of more of the same. I've, I have found a pretty good, I've carved out, I think, a pretty good um, space with, with, what I, with what I write and how I make it work. And so for me, it is also, it is a lot of travel, um, speaking. I've got several speaking gigs lined up already. Um, and, you know, just continue, continue doing the, the hack education stuff. So really no... No foreseeable change, although um, having you know having suffered mightily through the last two months writing my urine review, I have not yet kicked off a project for the 2017 EdTech trends. So I have to. I think I'm going to have to sit with it for a few before I um, decide whether or not I'm going to do this insanity again. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually going to ask that question, but uh, I, I don't think I'm <laughs> going to pick on you like that. Um, so I actually, what you say, more of the same. So um, in a kind of concise elevator pitch way, what what does that hack? What is hack education's focus? 
Um, the it's I mean I, for me it's really sort of uh, I I see it as pushing back on a lot of the the industry hype around technology in education, right? So thinking looking at looking at the stories that are being told um, about why technology, how technology might reshape teaching and learning, or actually most of the stories are how it will reshape teaching and learning. Um, and looking at who's funding, who's funding those stories, who's telling those stories, um, what 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 repercussions are being ignored, what history is being rewritten, um, and so you know, continuing my sort of, I guess, an analysis really of of what's happening uh, in in technology as it relates to education. Nice, I like that. I think, I mean, for me. I mean, APIs are important, of course, but I think if we're going to have a conversation about what um, was the, the core of what went wrong with this election and why people seem to uh, think that, that he's an he's answer to all of our problems, I think what you are battling with, with that mission is, is really getting at the root of that. It's, it's education and, and this, this assault on higher ed as well as K through 12 and, and just dismantling of these, um, you know, systems that have a lot of, a lot of problems, but ultimately are, are much more fair and equitable than uh, I think that what's being proposed, uh, as far as private solutions and alternatives. So important. Yeah, I mean, and one of the I've got a couple of you know projects. I mean, I, perpetually I say that I'm going to finish my book, Teaching Machines, and I always end up because I think I think because I end up spending so much time on the road, and I write talks that when I deliver keynotes, you know, that those are you know five to six thousand word um, essays that I write. Uh, I usually end up not having time to work on the book, but I have two research projects that I'm definitely going to pursue. This year, um, it, one is I want to look more at um, the work of Maria Montessori, and be, partially because I hear a lot of ed tech companies describe themselves as Montessori 2.0, and um, so I want to look at some some of the stuff that I want to look at at uh, Maria Montessori's own uh, work her. Um, you know her her ideas about about teaching and learning, and look at the way in which it sort of changed when the Montessori method, for lack of a better phrase, um, came to the U.S. It's um, and, and so how has Montessori historically uh, changed and been uh, been adopted and rebranded by various people who want to who want to posit that they're doing progressive, a, a form of progressive education that's, you know, uh, scientifically, scientifically based. So that's one project. Um, uh, and a, uh, Montessori, you know, has had a patent on a, on a, I guess what I would call it an old, you know, a proto, proto ed tech. And so thinking about the ways in which um, technology um, intersects with, with Montessori education. Um, and then the other project is one that I started this year, but I never really devoted enough time to. So there's a, a people often talk about what's known as the PayPal mafia in Silicon Valley. And so it's, it's the collection of folks who were founders, early employees at 
um, at PayPal who've sort of gone on to become, um, well, to found other companies, to become billionaires, um, uh, entrepreneurs, investors, pretty well-known, you know, well-known list of people, including um, uh, my least favorite supervillain, Peter Thiel, uh, Reid Hoffman from LinkedIn. Um, So I want to look at what or want to think about what the equivalent might be in ed tech. So, right, what's the equivalent of the PayPal mafia? What what company is really, or what organizations are really the locus for sort of generating future entrepreneurs, future investors, um, future sort of advocates, cheerleaders for education technology? My sense is that it's probably Kaplan, uh, the for-profit university Kaplan. Um, uh, some folks insist that it's Blackboard. Um, I think that if you look at, uh, maybe perhaps it's the Princeton Review. Um, certain people are, really seem to sort of show up again and again and again. And I want to look at some of the, um, I'm reluctant to call it network analysis because I, I, I'm, I'm actually am interested in, I'm interested in the ways in which people are um, are connected, but I, I think that I, I you know I want to be able to have a critique of of the power and ideology that they're that they're promoting. So that's a, that's another project for me. Well, and I think the I mean I hope you you know you've already done some pretty interesting you know look into the the funding connections and relationships, and that's actually somewhere I want to um, contribute some cycles this year as well as what I'm going to be doing. But I, I'm hoping you can really show the, the the lay of the land and the overview visually to to people because I, I you know I think people don't I, I'm immersed in this because I, I live with you and I and I and I hear it all the time but I just don't think people you know they don't see all of these these how these stories are created you know they hear a story and they're like well that makes sense and I've heard the last like eight people you know at, the, at this event and other events say a similar thing so that 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 must be true and I just don't think they see the 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 lay of the land and the relationships and well you know that was actually originated as a press release from this group and it was and it really supports the narrative of of these other groups and you know uh ed surge supports it so you know they have overlaps in there so they're going to emphasize it so that you know these stories take root for a reason and 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 have a way of of helping people easily see that and visualize that and understand that as well as you do so i think that's the important outcomes of that well, actually, I mean, that's funny that you should say that because it actually is sort of connected to um, to the, I think, the fake, the, the sort of larger fake news problem, which I think that the tech sector um, ab- is and the tech technology, quote unquote, journalism has, has long been guilty of um, promoting stories that are, that are PR for, for tech companies, but are sort of patently untrue or certainly um, unsubsta- making unsubstantiated claims um, ab- about what a certain product can do technologically, what a certain product's going to do socially or economically. Um, and in the case of ed tech, you know, what, what impact it has on, on, on learning, whether or not it's uh, beneficial or revolutionary or disruptive or whatever. So, um, but I think that, you know, like you said, people see these things, even though it's not true, they see these things mentioned enough and it sort of becomes part of like, you know, sort of moves the, the Overton window, right? Like it becomes in the realm of possibility um, that, that people and people, I think, 
remember remember these wildly outrageous claims um, and start to convince themselves generally that that, that they are true. Um, and so, but yeah, I'm I am really I'm really interested in looking at. Um, you know, how do these, you know, how are these things getting shaped? I mean, I think a really important one to, for, for folks to think about right now is this notion of personalized, quote unquote, personalized learning. Um, and then, you know, how, do, how is the story about personalization? Who's promoting it? What is it? What does it mean? And how does it dovetail with some of the other things that we see, you know, in technologies, the personalization of your Facebook feed, right? The personalization of, of, of your, of the of the offerings on Amazon, um, and so you know what are what are so who's telling these stories? Who's supporting these stories? And then how are they sort of helping, really helping to convince people that 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 any of this stuff that they're spending you know billions of dollars on um, is worth a damn? Well, uh, I'll add one more. You know, personalization. Uh, as far as your like social bubble, so maybe you don't have to hear the other side when elections are going on, you know, um, and you get exactly the the piece, the information that that supports what you already feel and think, and and reinforces it and emboldens, you know, your hatred of 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 what you don't agree with and what you don't like, and those people over there. So I think that that people, you know, that 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 double standard of, you know, the Facebook platform that somehow, um, you know, Facebook can, can cause the Arab spring. Um, if you're buying advertising, it can help you, you know, reach your customers and, 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 and get them, you know, uh, engaged with whatever, whatever you're doing. Uh, but yet somehow it, it's unable, it doesn't actually help influence the election. And so, you know, the, the hype and BS around, uh, these messages that are being put out there. And it's one of the reasons why when I was diving into the fake news stuff that I kind of came up and going, man, this is, is fucking, you know, not something I really want to be spending all my time on because it's so massive. And like, what is fake news, you know, and, and you mentioned Silicon Valley and, and, you know, a lot of you, what you and I combat is the hype and the bullshit. And, but this is, you know, fake news, fake stories. And, and I tend to battle with a lot of folks in the API space because, you know, one of my kind of key uh, things that I, I trumpet a lot is, you know, AP, I'm, a, I'm the storyteller in the API space. This is what I do. And I, I, I anchor that in, in kind of our origin story around hack education and API evangelists that I help you run your IT and your websites and, and you help me learn to write and you have that, that background in folklore and storytelling. And so a lot of people in the API space and tech space, you know, love to tell me that stories don't matter. Nobody listens to sto stories. You know, it's it's about what you know. It's about making money, revenue. It's it's about who's investing who, and like completely oblivious to that the facts that everything is stories around them, and all these stories that are influencing me every day. The stories out of Gartner and at the analyst level, the stories out of the individual marketing and hype machines, um, all the way up to you know the election and and what we're getting out of the news outlets and and so um, it's all stories and and so I think you know what you and I do I think as far as you know kind of peeling back behind and looking behind the curtain and seeing what's going on and and helping create those visualizations and tell other stories that help people understand this that maybe don't have the time and energy and the dedication to it that we do and help them you know figure it all out yeah yeah so that's that's my my plan for the year, I mean, and other than, you know, just continue to be an absolute thorn in the side of, of the ed tech industry. 
Well, where where are you speaking? What's the what's the next six months look like? Where can people find? Um. So us? my next my next talk. Um, I'll be at Educon end of January, doing a couple of sessions there. I think I already mentioned this. Maybe not. Um. And then the gig after that, I'm speaking at the University of Richmond in February. On actually ed tech, um, ed tech under Trump. Oh, exciting. <laughs> Horrifying, but yeah. Yeah, I think travel-wise adjacent to that, you know, I'll be um, in in Philly and Richmond tagging along, and then, you know, whatever time I um, I can spend going over to D.C. and just kind of seeing what's what's happening there um, in January here. But uh, after that, um, I think it's just a lot of staying the course and doing what we do, right? Yep, um, and until the nuclear war happens, I mean, I don't know what else to do but yeah well i mean i think um i think that was that was uh, that's my, my segue into the predictions part of the podcast <laughs> yeah right? so so what what would you like to see happen in in 2017 i mean i i guess neither of us are very big into predictions but um what's going to happen in 2017 um either reality or, or mythically so i mean I, these this is this is um, these are not predictions on my part. Um, I, I really hate the whole the whole new year um, the whole the whole sort of I don't know industry of of people who sort of who who whose business it is to sort of predict predict the future. Like I mean that's why I think that like you said the storytelling is so important because it's definitely an effort to sort of shape the future in a certain way. Um, what I w- what would I like to see happen? I would love to see. Uh, I would love to see education technology companies. I would love to see schools um, before Trump's inauguration really take a long, hard look at their data collection and data retention practices and uh, delete delete a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I, I just think about it, it's. I think about the kinds of stuff that we're collecting on on students. Um, is unnecessary. Again, there's <laughs> there's really no demonstrable evidence that any of this does anyone any good. And in fact, it's often I think um, it often serves to reinforce some of the some of the already awful things that happen at school, right? Like the the school to prison pipeline, the um, dis- disciplining of students of color of students with um, with disabilities, um, surveillance and control of of queer students, and so I think that I would really, I mean, one of the things I I would love to see happen would be uh, would be a bunch of stuff gets deleted, and schools really pull their shit together when they think about why they're adopting these technologies that are really only going to make the lives of the of of people worse, really. Um, and then I think my other, the other thing that would make me really happy is not just, does not just uh, should Donald Trump quit Twitter, but I actually think maybe Jack should just pull the plug on Twitter altogether. <laughs> nice. No more Twitter. <laughs> nice. I'm ready for a post-Twitter world. Um, honestly, like even though it's a a big uh, part of my existence, my digital self, um, I, I think we can we can find our way to work around it and do some other things. Yeah. I mean, I think that the whole, the, the, 
the the thought of the thought of living under President Trump is already like mortifying and I mean it's already mortifying the thought of what he's going to do to the planet is is so depressing but the thought of President Trump with Twitter is <laughs> is really is just is actually just too terrible um you know I I I've blocked him on Twitter but I still can't seem to escape seeing his terrible, uh, his terrible tweets. Um, and thinking about just the, you know, again, back to, we've talked about this before, but the, I mean, not just sort of like the threat of nuclear holocaust, but it just seems to me to be bad politicking, um, poor leadership, uh, and just creates further or further destabilizes a world that's feeling quite fragile already. So um, definitely just get rid of Twitter. Well, I mean, I talked about... Like if he wants if he wants to have a news conference, I guess he's having a news conference on Tuesday or Wednesday, he says, where he's going to explain the hacking, the, the, uh, the, 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 the not Russian hacking story to us. Um, he says that he wants us to actually stop using computers and return to writing things down and sending messages via courier. And I, I'm totally with him, totally with him on that. Return, yes, let's go back to, to, to letters. If he wants to make an announcement, he should <laughs> write it down so, and not on Twitter. So a constitutional update to shut down Twitter, go back to, to messengers. <laughs> yes, couriers. All right. Yeah. No, I, I can get behind couriers. That's, I, I'm, I, can, I can see the courier lobby right now being very excited and, and the potential for courier startups booming. Um, it'll, it'll do well. Yeah. How about um, you? What would you like to see happen? Yeah, well, I mean, you I know, mean, besides the normal API evangelist, <laughs> more wishes. APIs, more APIs. You know what an API is? No, um, I, you know, first I want to, you know, kind of note that, you know, I think, you know, one reason like you and I don't like predictions is because, you know, what we try to talk about, I think, is somewhat rooted in reality, and even though we can talk about some pretty far-fetched things that, um are utopian to some maybe it seemed to some or you know dreams about shutting down of twitter and things like that um the thing is is we we talk about it honestly and openly and 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 let people know that this is you know what, what we'd like to see this is what what the, the future may hold but we're not like getting super hyped up about it and making you think that this is it this is what it's all about and and because i just i just feel like people in many companies aren't open and honest about, you know, what their motives are, what their objectives, and, and they just can't be honest and about the future or, or the present or let alone the past, you know. So, um, but what I would like to see is, um, you know, in a similar unrealistic uh, vision of the future, I guess. Um, is, what do you mean? You, you don't think people are going to delete? You don't think that Newton's going to decide that it's really unethical and immoral to to not only be collecting all this data, but actually be like making up all of these bullshit promises? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, I'm 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 holding out for you, honey, that this is going <laughs> to happen. Um, uh, but is you know a lot kind of coming out of this last year where there were some some fundings in in the hiccup in the hic excuse me hiccups in the funding cycles for startups um things slow <laughs> I like a little. funding in the hiccup cycle yes um and uh that 
and with the kind of fake news and kind of the current climate that people start um, being a little more critical of technology in general and I would emphasize this being rather than on on data collection like you said I think I agree with that I think that's actually top priority but from my end is um, internet of things and and what we're choosing to connect to the internet and actually um, you know coming out of last week I guess uh, one story we could have had in the show notes was is you know um, Alexa will you testify against me where uh, you know a uh, a murder happened at someone's house and the police are seeking um you know alexa logs to as part of uh building their case against this this gentleman and so um you know the role that 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 our kind of uh unrealistic and uncritical uh connection of of things to the internet and then that plays in the cybersecurity so i'm hoping people open their eyes to security uh online security and I, and I purposely don't say cybersecurity because that's all just the hype and FUD and, and, and fear and games. But actually people start being more critical about what we're connecting to the Internet. Um, if we are, how are we securing these things? How are we auditing them? How are we uh, you know, being open and honest and transparent about uh, what, what, you know, how we're, we're, we're setting up these defenses? So similarly to data, um, if, you know, if we don't need to collect it, um, don't collect it. If we don't need, really need to connect it to the internet, let's not connect it to the internet. Um, and because the funding um, and kind of some of the hype cycles have kind of run their course, that maybe people can get more realistic about just building fucking businesses and not just um, surveillance machines that, that have a massive exit at the end. Yeah, I mean, I think... That, you know, I think that there are going to be lots of, um, without making predictions again, but I think that there are lots of uh, st- stories for us to, to, to watch in the coming year. And I would certainly say that the cybersecurity is one of them. And, you know, just thinking about, uh, you know, thinking about what, you know, what are going to be the repercussions of having all of these. I mean, and for me, I think about it in schools, but what are the repercussions of all of these surveillance devices, um, again, particularly under a Trump administration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the data thing, to kind of tie it back to the data stuff and what I'm focusing on with uh, open referral and the open 211 data is one of the, the big concerns we have on the table right now that we're discussing is, you know, we spent in the last couple of years advocating opening up this data, but when some of those human services involve um, Muslim services, um you know, religious services, um, LGBTQ uh, support services, uh, you know, abortion, on and on and on, you know, should this data be open and inaccessible to anybody? Um, so so what is open data in that context? And and if, if we can't actually help someone in, um, with that data and those services, um, we, we, we need to rethink this and discuss what's, what's a better path forward. Yeah. Well, uh, or, or couriers. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So I guess if you need a human service you know, where, where it is, we can have a courier bring you that packet of information. Then. That's, that was never, that information was always super secure. Yeah. Crazy. Well, that's a nice, neat 30 minutes. Maybe we could, uh, you know, maybe this year will be nice and efficient and concise and we can get lots of work done and, and, uh, make a good impact with, with all those predictions, right? We didn't make any predictions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, happy new year. Happy Till new next year. week. <laughs> <laughs>